Gutherson set beyond the 20. For all it is, Marnie finds the captain. Gutherson, 22 out. Step and field goal. He strikes it, likes it, kicks it, wins it. So they make a fool out of us. Gutherson does kick it. Parramatta, 25. Have beaten Canberra, 24. Here at Western Sydney Stadium. Welcome back to another edition of the Parrot Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Forty. What's up, fellas? And Ham. How are you? And your host, Tamish. So we'll be wrapping up the round seven match against the Raiders, looking at some news, and then jumping into the preview of next week's clash against the Cowboys, and running our eye over some of the other games that occurred on the weekend. So... Saturday night, Eels 25 against the Raiders 24. Uh, golden point thriller. It really shouldn't have got there, but it did. Um, but uh, after Moses going off early, uh, Gutherson really stepping up in his absence. How did you guys see it, other than seeing it clearly on your television screens? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. You'll um, never live that one down, will you? <laughs> never. <laughs> did I miss something? <laughs> I oh, know, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. How'd you see? I said on the, on the telly. Um, we're, we're, um, we're, we're throwing back, Bertie. We are making, yeah. we've evolved. We're making self referential jokes now. Meta. Yeah. Meta. Next, next week, you'll be seeing it a little bit differently. Well, yeah. Well, that's yeah, Except for, for some idiot. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, let's have a look at the stats first then. 51% possession to the Eels, uh, 83% completion rate to the Raiders, 81% completion rate. Uh, all run meters outgain them by about 230 odd meters, uh, an extra 100 and or almost 200 post contact meters, five line breaks to three, uh, average play the ball speed again slower, 3.61 seconds to the Raiders, 3.19 seconds. That's a fast play the ball speed. Wow. Yeah, well, they're both pretty quick, actually. Yeah. 3.61 is probably our quickest of the season. And um, that, that number for Canberra, though, was lightning quick. That is actually really surprising. And then on the kicks, 21 to 22 kicks, Raiders being the winner there, but Raiders getting 515 metres to our 485, which I guess is a bit surprising given that Moses went off at half time. Um, then missed tackles, Raiders are whopping 54 to the Eels, 26, and wow. then both 19 all ineffectives. Uh, errors, 12 Eels, 15 Raiders. Penalties, uh, Raiders winning that battle, 3-4. And then Raiders had two players on report. Probably should have had a couple more, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, interchanges, Raiders with 11. Um, I don't know how it got to 11. <laughs> um, golden point. Ah, yes. We and, only use eight, though. Good, and, good. Yeah, correct. And I suppose uh, the, it, the interchange count the count HIAs as well, I think, maybe, yeah. Correct. All right, so let's... Uh, Go through it there. Uh, 40, did you want to start us off? Yeah, well, what an interesting game because we started off red hot. Um, they made an early mistake with that uh, epic Horsburgh fal- uh, Falcon from the, the bad Hodgson pass, and we really put the pressure on early on. Really unlucky not to get ahead early with the Mitchell Moses tap back, which was a, a 50-50 call, which it's the one call that I'm going to give the referees the benefit of the doubt on for that game. Um, yeah, I think that, that's fair enough. That was the one call where it went upstairs, no try. I think that the replay showed the ball fell neutrally, which probably isn't enough to conclusively override the uh, initial call. So that was fine. It did rob Murata of another try, the poor bastard. So he could have been um, on a on multiple try season, which is rare for a forward. But yeah, um, we sort of, we what was the first 20 minutes, I think, or 10 from 10, really fantastic start. Um, a great way to back up a really tough game against the Roosters as well. And then we lost our way a little bit. And that was even before Mitchell Moses got hurt. So we um we derailed ourselves a little bit. Canberra got right back into it on the back of a horrific forward pass that was missed. And uh, they then took a hit of momentum and then we fought back in the second half and then collapsed. So it was like this really crazy game um, that had so many twists and turns. And thankfully, the boys showed the sort of character they've been building this year um, in Golden Point. They backed themselves from the kick. They said they're going to kick the ball and back their defense to control the field possession. And they did it. They, we missed the um the first shot, but we were the team that put ourselves in the best position to take the initial shot. And Guffo probably unlucky it. not to have another opportunity given the the Sivo tackle that was penalised. That's right. That well, that that was I 
Well, what do you even say about that? Like, what are the referees looking at if a guy gets hit clean around the sternum, like not even near the chin? And yes, he cartwheels and gets smashed, but that's football. Like, you can't blow a penalty for a guy getting hit too hard, but evidently you can. Well, because apparently you can have penalty other. <laughs> yeah, and that's because that happened twice that game. Makasivo smashes Jared Croker and gets penalised, and then the Eels, uh, you know, knock over Corey Horsburgh and get penalised for him starting a fight. So, Well, the thing with uh, Micah is that the initial signal from the ref was a high tackle. What, you know, what should have happened there is At- A- A- Atkins should have gone up to the bunker and said, I don't know the uh, what to do for the restart here. Just check it. Well, they could, he could have given up the no try sign, right? Because they can do that all the time, even when it's evidently not a try, to, yeah. to go back and check. But in saying well, that, if the, if, if the video ref can intervene to find a high tackle, why can't they intervene when it's clearly not a high tackle but has been signaled one? Yeah. So I don't, I don't understand we had, that. we had Canberra trapped in the end goal, which I think if it's play on, it's just a dropout. Because That's right. Uh, I mean, tackling whoever got the ball. There was an argument that Jared Croker simply knocked on the ball because when the ball comes out like that in a tackle, the referee will usually just say knock on. So it would have been a 10 meter scrum, if anything. Yeah. But even then, I'd be still happy with the um, goal line drop. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so that would have put us in a position to work towards the sticks and, and drill it through the through the uprights. So, you know, that, that could have been a real big turning point in the game. Um, well, not even the turning point, just it would have lost us the game. It could have lost us the yes, game. Yes, absolutely. But then there was a what, – what a cerebral piece of work from Clinton Gufferson at the other end of the field. He was everywhere in this game, by the way, to to plant, stretch out and plant his foot in such a way that it just clips the goal line to get that 20-meter restart because that, that really turned golden point and that put the Eels, um, you know, from from being on the back foot and potentially going to have to uh, defend for a field goal shot to being able to turn it around and eventually work towards their own shot. So. Well, what, what is it where – is it that they take the the play the ball on the goal line? That would have been a, that would have been a, a, a ten meter. I imagine that would reset it to a ten meter play the ball. Yeah, that is uncharted territory insofar as a captain's challenge because I don't think we've ever seen that situation be played out yet. But my understanding would be that they would move it to the ten meter line because that's the nearest marking. But I could be wrong. But yeah, you know, people want to talk about Gutho and how he doesn't have the speed and all that sort of stuff. But it's the fact that in the whatever minute it was, past the eighty minutes, was the, the fact that he could think. That he was close enough. That's to right. Get it. The, the game knowledge. That's right. Like he's got he's got a brain between the ears, and that's what <laughs> I think. You know, that's why he's nicknamed the king. Sometimes you you, you wonder if he does have a brain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we got some we got some fantastic comments from Brad Arthur in the um the wash up from this game, didn't we? About how um, Moses and Gufferson go at each other from like two thirty to four a.m. post game, pulling up tape and finding spots where they've missed tackles respectively to put shit on each other. So there's a good bit of um, friendly rivalry there between the boys, which is always fantastic to see. But yeah, this was another game where I think we bluntened the impact of the opposition's best players. Um, I know that George Williams and and uh, I was about to say Jared Croker, but no, the hooker Josh Hodgson ended up getting the two and one point DLEM votes somehow. Ridiculous. And, and look at who the, yeah, the judge was. You I know. know. <laughs> and it, I know it's mean to say that about Gary Belcher, but it just looks bad, doesn't it, when you have a Canberra legend handing out votes to players that don't deserve them. If a Canberra player yeah. was going to get a vote, it would have been for Parley. Who scored a well, try? It wasn't even that. They were saying Elliot Whitehead was probably their best on field. Mm. At least Raiders fans were. So, so there you go. It would have been, been one of the two forwards there. But, if you're uh, going to give a player points, like at least one has to go to Regan Campbell Gillard. Like, yeah. If well, you want to, it depends what company you want to use for stats and everything. I'll go champion data. Because who who are far narrative. more conservative when it comes to meters as well? So bear that in yeah. mind. And it suits my narrative at this point in time. <laughs> uh, 217 metres, 50 tackles. If we're looking at that, that's only happened four times since 2017. Four times. How many games have been played and making 200 metres and 50 tackles? It's basically unheard of. Like, how does he not get a point in the Daly M? That's, yeah, that's why the system's broken. I mean, I Reg is at least have some soul to know he's in pretty elite company because who else shares that stat here? Oh, two of them were Nathan Brown. One was Paul Gallen. There you go, Nathan so, Brown, elite. But yeah, yeah, that that was um that was another good. Doing it without the roids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one would accuse Brownie of roiding up compared to Gal. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, Brownie's but that, got roid rage. He doesn't have the roids. <laughs> it was a even though we had our lapses defensively, and once again, I think Wanga Blake probably struggled a bit. Um, he did have a head knock, which he can excuse some of his issues, but. He had a bad miss on Elliot Whitehead, which led to the, um, the the scores being locked up prior to full time. I think we we managed to really put the clamps on our opposition's best plays once again. We saw that, yes, Papali scored a try, but 
and he, he did end up he did end up making quite a few meters, but he was very well contained within the middle. And then I thought that Jack White was almost a non-factor. Um, I know he got to run the ball a bit, but he just did not threaten the line the way he does in other games. And then yeah, um, he was certainly the less threatening of the two halves. And yes, and then Josh Hodgson, who ended up getting that try assist when we were just bizarrely short down our left edge in the first half. That was pretty much all he did. And he made fifty tackles, but he missed seven or eight. So we really, you know, we really targeted him in defense the way that we we like to do against opposition hookers. I think that's um become something that sort of. I think has manifested. And when you think back to what we've talked about in the podcast in the last couple of years, um, opposition hookers tend to have quite a few missed tackles against us. So that yeah, was definitely a weak point in defense, you know? Yes. Um, but yeah, that was, that was really good. Um, I want to get out birdies thoughts. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> um, We're going to get you started. We've got the triple smoke cam coming later. So what's, um, what's got birdie feeling dirty? I, I just, I know we, I know Blake Ferguson cops a bit of flack, not scoring, but, we're winning games and not everyone can score a try. Like he's out there, he's putting his line on, you know, his body on the line. He's running into the forward. It's not like he's running into like outside backs. He's taking the hard hit up. So, you know, we should like, you know, uh, commend him for like uh, putting his body on the line. And you know, yeah, some that, that, that is a, a good point. But yeah. I know that no, he hasn't people, scored a try, but the work he was doing on, on Saturday night was the ugly stuff. Like the first and second hit ups in our own half. Maybe that's instead of like, because we got Silva, he's a try scoring machine. He's a highlight reel. Maybe we tone down our expectations. Okay, just do you know? Just get your runs, get the good quick play to ball. And yeah, I, I thought. Look, I don't want to sound biased again, but I thought Barada, he looked damaging. Every time he ran, he was constantly moving forward. He his momentum never stopped. And then just in defense, like him and him and Campbell Gillard, oh, laid the boom out, the, didn't they? Yeah, they hit hard. <laughs> I think I think it's not so much the bash, brother. It's got to be the bash jersey because if you got the thirteen in on, you're smashing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Unlucky number thirteen for the opposition, eh? <laughs> yeah, but um, um, it's and it's clear we targeted um White sort of like um in a in a tackle. Like if you look at the first try, like he rushes in. And Moses somehow like he off he passes it quickly to Guffer and, and Guffer runs around him like he was too far in white and that's what set up um Maddo um for that run and a tribe so yeah and what what else how can we get over the fact that you know we smashed Halls bro like you know he missed a week <laughs> he came back he smashed someone so everyone's talking about being a Queensland enforcer please he got <laughs> put on his ass every every tackle he got he got smashed the one tackle he didn't get smashed is he he headbutted the ball so like. <laughs> Just once again, um, yeah, Rapana's a dog. You know, he's a grub, but... Yeah, that is a good point. That that is a a good point there, but in in that Rapana did three separate high shots, two of which were close fists to the face of a a defenseless person on the ground, and he wasn't sighted for either of them, and nor was he sin-bin for three separate foul play incidents in the one game. So that that is a worrying trend for the officiating, I think. And and the person I was worried about was Papali, not because of... um, Okay, he scored against us, but like his runs, like he, he tracks three, four defenders, he's got that offload... But he was not like he he wasn't out there like as if we nullified him. Instead, it was Junior that was doing the um the opposite, oh, wasn't it? He was really tearing junior. into the guts of their pack. At one stage, he had the ball. He hit someone. Oh, sorry, he got the ball and he braced it for a tackle. And he's backpedaling. He's running backwards and still gaining momentum. Like I just, he's just. I'm just so glad he came back to us. And yeah, he deserves to be like to be mentioned up there. Like some top props. Though. Speaking of props, Ham, what did you think about Oregon? The second week he came off the bench and was probably our best player from the interchange. You think? Ah. Oh. You know, I was just about to say, just add on the birdies, like, you know, talking about Regan Campbell-Gillard before, talking about Junior Polo there, now you bring up Oregon Kafusi. Just our pack, there's just, you know, I I might be overrating them here a little bit. We might all be overrating them a little bit, but none of them would look out of place in an Origin jersey. Agreed. It's just the the way they're playing this year, it's just, I don't know, there's something about them. They're just, you know, I think... um, is it Matt Nabel for Fox Sports, the shitty commentator? Yeah, the one that loves doing the, or they get do all the voiceover stuff. Yeah, yeah, the the one he said against the Roosters, where we've built a pack that'll take your apple and throw it back at you. <laughs> that's, that, that's exactly. That's pretty what much it. it. You know, they, they'll take your lunch money and then beat you up with the scraps. Yeah, it's just you know when we don't have the ball, they're up in your face, they're smashing you, and then when we do have the ball, they're smashing you again. You know, there's no, there's absolutely no rest from our forward pack, and you know. When we get Nathan Brown and Kane Evans back, oh, opposition, like, you know, six years ago when Brad Arthur first came to the club, our forward pack was the bottom of the comp. It was laughed at. It was small. It was slow. It was one-dimensional. We had, uh, you know. soft. We had Fui Fui Moi Moi on his last. For reference, the 2013 pack in round one, 2014 pack, sorry, when Brad Arthur took over, was Tim Manor, Fui Fui Moi Moi, Ben Smith, Manu Ma'u, and Kenny Edwards. 
with Joseph Polo, Penny Trepo, Darcy Lasik, and Kalepi Tunganoa on the bench. That's how far Kalepi. See, and then you just compare that to what they've got running around now, and there's so much variance in our attack. Like Junior Paulo, he comes on and he's throwing passes like he's a halfback. You know, and then mm-hmm. that then teams are wising up to that, so they're rushing out on Dill or whatever. So he just runs the ball and makes 10. Just drops the shoulder, meters. yeah. So there, was, there, was, there was a moment late there. in the second half, I think it was, where they did just that. Canberra really shot aggressively up on Dylan. Junior read it and just dropped the shoulder and took 10 metres off him. Yeah, and I think that's a huge reason why our attack, especially in this game, you know, when we were down in Canberra's 20, we'd look like scoring every single time. Mm-hmm. You know, we just looked dangerous. And I noticed early on in the game there, um, the ball went left and you could actually hear the Raiders yell out, Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. He's played twenty games, and <laughs> they're already so like, highlighting him as like a huge threat to, as a, to as me. a threat. So, and then you know when the game's worn on a little bit, and then the ball goes left again. He hits the short ball to um, Clinton Gutherson, and he's got that time because our forwards have hit the line so hard that they can't. They just don't have the line speed in them. And then that's when you know Gutho to Lane, that beautiful ball to Jennings. Yeah, that ball. that double crash unders from from um, Jennings and uh, Lane. It's Beautiful, isn't it? It's poultry in motion. Yeah. And then, you know, we set up the exact same play again, but this time they're expecting a short ball to Lane and Jennings. So the winger has to rush in. And Guffo just. And then Guffo mm, just cut out ball to Sivo. Mm, like, mm, you know, oh, our, chef's our left side attack, again, at the start of BA's reign, you would have had Corey Norman, Manu Mao, Taka, uh, Taka Michael Jennings, and Siv, uh, Semi. Yeah. You know, and at its at at its peak, those four players are very good players. You know, some, but it's just left side attack. You know, and then the thing is, it's not just the left side now; it's also the right side. You got Mitchell Moses, RIP for two, for however long. Ryan Madison, uh, Wanga Blake, who's been in a little bit of a slump, and Blake Ferguson, who's a little bit of a slump. But they're those two are class. You know that if they need to turn it on, they can score a hat trick. So, oh, just yeah, very impressive game. Um, you know, obviously, unfortunately, we let them too late tries. I think that's um, a concentration error from Laney there. Yeah, unfortunately, that, that drop, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Laney's been having such a good year. Um, that was really disappointing that, you know, it's, just, it's a, that's a simple error. Late in the game, you're up by 12. Just get to, get to your kick, work it to the corner, and then pin them back down there. Yeah, it's that's that's a really simple error, to really, and it was a really costly error in the end. And then... Um, Wanga Blake in defence there, just holding off on Elliot Whitehead, um, allowing them to slice through was really disappointing again. Um, but again, Canberra no slouches. Though. We've got to remember they're in the grand final last year, and while they aren't performing up to what they were last year, they've still got some good players in the team. So. And we, we talk about it all the time on the podcast, but historically they've been, they've been a very tricky matchup for the Eels. So this oh, was 100%. an important win. And this is also coming off a month of almost origin-level football for Parramatta, starting with game a game against Manly, Penrith, the Roosters, and then the Raiders. That's four of the premiership heavyweights, all yeah. which the games were played to high levels. So, so that's, you know, for, you say four of the top seven at the moment, and that's, well, we're one of them. So that's most of the top six here. Mm-hmm. And we've matched and beaten 75% of them. So... And and that I one loss was was a very valuable loss as far as lessons learned, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this this entire month has been such an, uh, an important month for us developmentally because we've seen the boys take on different challenges because of the, the, the way the different teams have the verse have been constructed and threats across the field, and we've seen them play the games in different ways, even though there has been a similar trend throughout all four because of how tough they've been, and we've seen them take on board lessons, and even though they have had lapses throughout, they've managed to overcome their own weaknesses, which has been very encouraging. That's the one thing, you know, just you brought it up then. Our our attacking game plan has been pretty much the same in every game. But the way d- the opposition teams are made up, like uh, look at Penrith, we had to obviously stop clearing kick out um, against Manly, Tom Travojevic, Cherry Evans. So, you know, we're going to have to go in with different defensive game plans. But for the most part, our defensive structures have been really solid and we've really nullified opposition's attack, which is, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, it's it's a good year, I think. Hopefully, <laughs> one thing I did want to touch on quickly was there was an article today. Um, you mentioned how good Reagan Campbell-Gillard was, Ham, but um, he had the GPS tracker strapped to his back for that game, and it's the um the by far the largest number BA's ever seen in his time at the Eels. Apparently, he topped eight kilometers. Um, the VB hard-earned man yeah, of the match. That's right. <laughs> topped topped eight kilometers as a prop. So seventy-eight minutes of the ninety minutes played, 
he was on the field, which is just superhuman. And, um, you know, that's up there for Payne Haas brings and Payne Haas obviously being like the apex prop specimen the game's probably ever seen. Um, you know, and Brad Arthur was saying that Quentin Gufferson, who was the fittest player in the club and, and probably the fittest player in the competition, having seen Guffo go to work, um, he is just that, that far ahead of everyone I've ever seen in the club. Um, Guffo tops out at 10 kilometers a game. So that was superhuman stuff from Reg and a, a huge shout out to, to him. So that's just unbelievable stuff. Um, two things that I wanted to touch on. Um, well, one, it was nice to, to fight back into the game, especially when Moses was out. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's three things. Two, the Corey Horsburgh incident. Um, obviously, we targeted him uh, as him being their standout leading, leading middleman. He's only moved into the 13 role with a couple of injuries to Raiders. Um, but, you know, you could see early on he got smashed a couple of times. And then in that incident where he was uh, put on his back and unfortunately got a Liz Frank injury, uh, it was a regulation tackle. Um Unfortunately, Corey, you know, must have got up, realised he's done something bad, and then is grabbing onto Madison's shirt and trying to throw bloody hooks at him while he's got the shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, so Madison's well within his right to get up and tell him to, you know, f off. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? All I've done is tackle you. Um, but uh, old Corey, Klein uh, Corey, get- I just want to uh, interrupt there. Madison's a good Christian boy. He wouldn't. <laughs> exactly. He said, what's going on? And what's some, going on? Somehow, in between all that, in which uh, there was an incident where Madison did not escalate things, he took the, the jersey punches and, uh, you know, just pushed Horsburgh away from him. Actually, Klein saw fit to blow a penalty against Parramatta. And once again, the VRF doesn't intervene when there was no foul play. I don't, I don't understand the system. It just and makes no again, sense. Again, on, on NRL, there's there's no indication of what the penalty <laughs> they was They couldn't actually, actually assign the penalty. That's right. Um, but then I want to get to the point where he's walking off and he's obviously getting booed from the, the what, 300 fans in the stand. Um, I, I don't think that it was being booed because he's injured. I think it was being booed because the bloke acted like a complete Yeah, painter. he tried to punch on. That That is the issue there. And that's been the issue for every Paramount fan that I've spoken to. No one no one ever held it against him that he cried after, you know, he realized he'd been hurt pretty badly. No one held that against him. It's the fact that he got up for a regulation tackle and tried to punch on. And not only that, but once he was separated with the referee in his face, he signals to Ryan Madison that he still wants to punch on. Yeah, as, as he's been walked from the field. Um, you know, a bit silly there. Um, and then I had a third one, uh, which has completely gone from my head. Uh, so there you are. On the, uh, on the refereeing performance, I, I went into work on Monday and um, Manly support was just chatting about the footy and everything. And he was defending Parramatta. Oh, my God. It was the most inept refereeing performance he's ever seen. So, you know, you want to ref bash and ref's fault, and I do love a good ref bash, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the fact that a Manly fan... Speaks volumes. Fan, volumes. Out, an out-and-out Manly fan, Marone and White, is saying that the refereeing was horrible, like, for, for a Parramatta team. That's... That shows you how bad it was. It and I, I do think, I, browsing through the uh, the neutrals, Fred, on... Um, Read it on the on the, through the game. The general response was that Parramatta were copying some rough calls there. I know that both both teams did have a few forward passes and dummy half let go with Reed getting caught up for the only one. But yeah, um, it was just such. I did a, like uh, Graham Annesley did come out and say that it was a forward pass for that second try, although he danced around. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't directly during the game, and it wasn't uh, you know the. the and he, he tried he tried to dance around it as much as he could as well. That I, I encourage people to check out the press conference. I want to see political speak in rugby league when it comes to forward passes because that's what it was. You could see him clenching his fist as he said it was a forward pass for Paramount. <laughs> and the, the old, uh, what is it? Arthur. Arthur, Arthur yep. <laughs> Damn you, DW. Is all that. And then people will say, oh, Paramount got, you know, this and that in the end. I don't want square ups. I just want the initial call to yeah, be right. exactly. Especially when you it's know, so obvious. And I understand that, there will be calls wrong because referees do make split decisions. And, you know, I can live with a lot of them. But some of them, like, why yeah, could not... Badge, that was awful. <laughs> the, that one was awful. But also, could could the bunker rule on him being offside? Was he in front of the play when he passed the ball? That's actually an interesting point when it comes to forward passes that are, are that far forwards. There might be grounds for the, the bunker to be able to... Um, to rule on that when it's not the actual forward pass, the well, player's yeah, offside. Well, I guess it's a bit more for union these days. It doesn't get penalised anymore, but deliberate forward passes. Yeah. Uh, it's, still, um, it's still a penalty. Well, I think that one, if it was played in union, definitely would have been yeah, given a, a penalty and uh, a yeah. deliberate forward full pass. On, full on All right, well, sure. let, let's wrap up the, uh, the, got, the game there. I've got, um, got two things to come out of that game. you got two things? Okay. Two things. Come on, 40. First, coronavirus has got a lot to answer for in 2020, but the fact that 
there wasn't 30,000 fans packed into Bankwest Stadium listening to the chats. I'm on Smoko. When Ray Stone scores his maiden NRL try, that can't be forgiven. That's just no. absolutely horrible. Did they even play it? I don't think, I didn't hear it on the broadcast. So absolutely no, devastating. Uh, Ray, and you can see the boys are absolutely pumped for Stone to get over. He's obviously a character that's well loved among the playing group, and it's good to see him really coming to his own. Second thing, I got no idea how the match review committee or the NRL judiciary work anymore. I got no idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jordan, we'll get into that with some of the other games. <laughs> Jordan Rappiner absolutely decapitates Daniel Alvaro, who was, un- was unfortunately Paul's only contribution to the game. Eight minutes, get his head knocked off for two points. Um, got a grade one. A grade one. So he's free to play next week. Although, Karmic Justice, we might get to that later. Karmic Justice comes back around. Um, and then and just across the NRL, the amount of high shots we saw this week that were not cited. Like, what is going on? Like, well, we'll get that into our the, first. Uh, is, is Nathan's Brown reputation amongst the MRC and the judiciary that bad now, even though his record isn't that bad, that he gets bullshit charges? Because it sure feels like it. I agree. All right. Well, let's get into the news first, and then we'll get to those other reviews. Okay. I'm um, gonna... But uh, one one thing you did touch on forty was that the last month of football was really good. Uh, but we're hoping that the next month of football will be just as good because we've got a couple of big clashes coming up. Mm, yeah. And call. we're going to be without Moses for a couple. That leads into the first story: Moses injury. So it's a. Is it the same calf or is it? Yeah, the other it's, calf? it's scar tissue from the initial calf strain, is the way I understand it. So okay. if you remember, so Jared, Jared Hayne had a similar thing with his knee a few years back. He did his knee. And then mid-season pops some scar tissue, and it popped him out for a little bit. So similar to Moses. Yeah. So they reckon what is it? Two to three weeks. Right. So two to three weeks. That's correct. Yes. They they think it's less severe than what he did in the the preseason. Yeah. They were saying post-match he was walking around really well compared to what they'd seen during the COVID preseason. Um, so even before they got in scans, they were very optimistic, and then the scans came back as a, essentially a best-case scenario. Okay. Well, that's fantastic because he did seem to go down pretty quickly and then off. Um, and that'll lead us into another story, which is clubs returning to home ground this weekend. Um, and on the back of that, Bankwest will get its surface replaced. Um, from what I heard on the NRL.com podcast, Bankwest uh, was planning on replacing the service Correct. after this round of games. Yes, but that's they've right. brought that forward a week because they had the turf there. Um, so it's just a regular thing where in winter, you know, the, the turf's a little bit more and, and given it's had a lot more usage. Uh, this season with the the COVID-19 pandemic and and the flow on of having three matches there every weekend. Uh, They've sought fit to bring that up one week. So we'll have a new surface uh, come this Friday. Um, And here's what the NRL had to say about it. We had two really unfortunate season-ending injuries there, and no one ever wants to see that. Graham Annesley said on Monday, the fact they happened so close together did raise questions, and the NRL acted quickly by close of business that night. We had organised an independent inspection of the field the next morning. That took place and detailed report we received was an assessment across the field in many different points. They took readings for traction, firmness and any other gauge to determine the quality of a professional sporting field. All those readings came back to an acceptable range. The RLPA were in attendance for that and they were satisfied. Um, so my understanding is that the Roosters never put in an official complaint and that was all beat up from the, uh, the Fox coverage. and, That's and right. Channel yeah. 9. Yeah. The, Although the Roosters... I understood that the trainer had said that it might be the surface. Yeah, the Roosters were quick in the post-match presser. I think um, Robinson got on top of that saying they hadn't launched a complaint by any means. And like you said, the, the trainer might have just thrown it out as a reason. Though the fact there was two non, uh, non-contact non ACLs for the Roosters suggests that there was underlying structural damage for both those players and it was just a matter of time. That's usually how it is for those sort of injuries. So. Well, I think, and correct me if I'm, I'm misquoting him, but the NRL physio was saying that um, you'd expect to have these sorts of injuries about six weeks or four to six weeks back from contact, which we are yeah. sort and of so at this now. Is, this is something I was speaking with my brother with this week who's got a background in exercise physiology. And um, I also when I had my Achilles uh uh, corrective surgery, I happen to get a physio that's affiliated with the Parramatta Eels. And the importance of a preseason cannot be stressed when it comes to injury prevention. And the fact that they had their preseason blown out by the COVID uh, hiatus and then the players were left to do that. Like, obviously, they stayed fit, but they weren't being managed the way that they are meant to be to a very strict program that like puts them within different zones of like, uh, of like health, I suppose, healthness, the way they monitor these, these um, ongoing issues. So, yeah, the fact there was a few non-contact ACL injuries shouldn't come as a surprise given the um, the hiatus competition went under. And also added to that, that was on the proviso that those players were doing exactly as were directed. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, you know, across 200 and something footballers, <laughs> they're not all going to be putting in the work. Absolutely. <laughs> not yeah. not to say that Verrills and... and um, no, that's Bradley not to be a shot against them, but just when you're, un- when you're in the club sites, you know, five or six days a week, it's a lot easier, lot easier to make sure everyone is adhering to a strict regimen, isn't it? Correct. 
So when all was said and done, we got one extra game at home, uh, the Roosters game. That was the only extra game played at Bankwest. So, so much for the unfair advantage that it was meant to be, as some touted back in the day when the draw was re-released. And it's not as if it's a home field advantage. It's just a stadium. That's right. When there's no one there, it's not a home field advantage. Tell the Raiders that. <laughs> <laughs> and on to the next next bit of news. Uh, the six again Stop rule has been amended to game. catch early. Sorry. Stop tinkering with the game mid-season. Stop it. Six again rule amended to catch markers breaking early. So the ARLC has approved the amendment to the rule on Tuesday in a bid to prevent teams from using markers to gain an unfair advantage. Uh, Peter Vlandy said, we have observed an increasing trend of markers either not standing square or breaking early and placing themselves in an offside position. Rather than direct referees to blow more penalty stoppages, we believe this variation will ensure free-flowing rugby league continues to the benefit of our fans. The introduction of the 6 again rule has added to the spectacle of the game. The commission will continue to be dynamic and agile to ensure we keep the game as entertaining as possible. Speaking uh, of 6 again, um, Annesley also touched on that in that presser that um, – the Phantom Bell wasn't a malicious fan in the crowd. It was actually just the the system bizarrely resetting itself. And the fact that it only happened during Parramatta's possessions was just like a, a freak coincidence. Like what, a, that's just for like so insane that, um, but it only really impacted us once, didn't it? The, uh, the first one. But yeah. That, yeah. When Dill got caught on that's the last. Right. And, yeah. And sort yeah. of got up saying like, well, it's not last. You rang the bell. No, no. So yeah, that, that was, was just uh, a. I was going to say, it's disappointing that that six again rule didn't come in a week earlier because, um, would have been would have been handy if uh, that was the case when Josh Hodgson was in line with Reed Marnie before he even picked up the ball <laughs> yeah, and before so, Gutho took his first crack at yeah, field goal there. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's this this change isn't like you know like outrageous or anything like that. I just I wish they'd stop tinkering for the game mid season. Is that? Do you guys hear that? Is that Anthony Seabold asking if we can restart the <laughs> 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 competition? Oh, Seabs, under Seabs. Uh, all right, well, let's get to those games then. So in round seven on Thursday night, Panthers 20 over the Rabbits 12. Uh, Panthers looked in control this game yeah, the whole I agreed. way through. Yeah. Rabbits um, sucked. It was a very good game for Nathan Query, despite the fact that he was growing an extra forehead. Um, <laughs> he was an ugly-looking mofo. Oh, and it, it was obviously Im- impacting his vision because his goal-kicking was awful. Like, he was shanking. He was like, got the sand wedge out and was taking out divots every time he kicked it. But um, in terms of general play, he had a very good game. Um yeah, I know that Kiko got a lot of raps in that game, but he was very quiet. I thought that Fisher Harris and Isaiah Yo have been their two real standouts in the fourth back. And, you know, they were just too good for the Bunnies, who were starting to make a little bit of noise among the fandom after putting the cleaners through some shit teams. And um, the first uh, team they ran, ran into that had a bit of starch to them, um, put them away pretty comfortably. Yeah, well, Panthers uh, didn't let the top seven club down, did they? No, no. Like some other pretenders of this <laughs> We'll get to them. We'll get to them. I'm just going to, just as a precursor to a few of the other games, but are you guys finding, unless it's two top seven teams, like games just suck? Yeah, yeah. There is a huge gulf between the top seven and the bottom nine. Yeah. There's a drop in quality, but for some of them, like it's really fun. <laughs> there, there, there was, yeah. The, the <laughs> Sharks, the shark. was it the Sharks? No, the, the dogs and sharks last week was like a no last week the week before the week before was like a, a great crap bowl game yeah so there are there are a handful of those games that are entertaining but I, I understand what Ham's saying insofar there are quite a few bludges in the in the bottom nine games we'll get to one that was very entertaining a little bit later yeah. on but uh, first on Friday at the pub slot six p.m. Storm fifty Warriors six um, yeah Warriors showing that they've had a death in the yeah, family that's right I mean we talked about did we talk about it last week with Stephen Kearney? Yeah, remember. we did. Yeah. Like, you know, it was the right decision, wrong timing, just awful timing. And um, that really that really gutted a team that's been battling pretty bravely. Um, Melbourne uh, had their own issues this game with Cam Munster succumbing to a knee injury at halftime. And now he's going to be out for a little bit, but just too classy. Um, and I suppose this was the coming out party for Paul Morowski, wasn't it? He had a pretty good game out there on the right centre. He did also. Um, their um, fullback started to get some points for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yep. Yeah, yeah has been um, a little bit uh, feast of famine uh, lately, and then he had a huge game that round. And I think the the unironic, like the unintentional, like highlight of the game for me was Adokar nearly killing himself. Like, <laughs> it's one of the great. Super, p- it reminded me of the uh, the Michael Jennings put down in the yeah. 2013 Grand Final, super, super where he absolutely blitzes himself. Superman himself for the, an epic uh, chase, chase and score on a kick, and dead set KOs himself. Oh my god! Um, then on to Friday night and. Uh, uh, as we discussed before, Bankwest Turf getting a bit of uh, a yeah, heat. Turf, turf uh, Roosters 26, Dragons 12. I uh, thought Roosters were 
in control. Even though the dragons clung back in, I thought roosters were always pretty much. Yeah, in control I thought the roosters came down a little bit after playing us last week. They um they sort of had a sloppier game for their standards. I like seeing Joey Marner at fullback. He put off an absolutely ridiculous try assist. That is um I know there's debates about whether the the backhand flick went forwards. Ham, you probably say it went forwards. Uh, I mean, if you're going to ruin the spectacle, it <laughs> technically probably was forward. Yeah, but, but in that instance, I don't think it. And and credit to Jared Warrior Hargraves, the big man chasing through on the the left edge bomb, and he um reaped the benefits of a insane catch and flick pass from Manu. Ah, oh, it was you know brilliant individual play from Joseph Manu. I think that's showing why he's why the Roosters the chose him back, best backline players in the yeah, competition, and why the Roosters chose him over Latrell. And oh, also speaks yeah. the volumes to which how good Michael Jennings is playing, and that he gave that player an absolute bath two weeks oh, ago. So. 100%. Yeah, Roosters. into uh, the uh, shame on the top seven club yeah. night going Ooh. down. Uh, Thirty-two to twenty against the Cowboys. Cowboys getting uh, their first win for a little while, um, but Knights blown off the park in the first half. Yeah, the pressure had been building on Paul Green pretty heavily, hadn't it? And this was a real like valve release moment for the Cowboys. Yeah, I think that was a big wake up call for the Knights. Been reading their own hype maybe a little bit. Just didn't play good foot, like good fundamental footy. Ham, did you watch this game? Um, no, I didn't. I was driving back from Newcastle. There was a, there was a comedy of errors for the Knights throughout this game. I, I felt so. Yeah, because I I got home and I flicked on the telly and I heard Dan Ganane go, "And what is wrong with the Knights?" I went, "Oh, what the fuck is wrong with them? It's bloody tip." <laughs> <laughs> um, but but on that, uh, the Cowboys showed a great game plan to uh, limit Ponga's uh, involvement at the back there, mm. kicking for touch constantly. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a timeless strategy, isn't it, to negate the impact of um of the better fullbacks, and it's something that we've been very cognizant of in 2020. Um, we did a good job on Tommy Turbo, and I don't think I mean obviously James Tedesco too. We did a great job of limiting. So credit to the Cowboys for executing a you know footy 101 to a high level. Um, Jason Tamalolo was awesome once again, as he always is, almost always at least. Um, but yeah, the Cowboys are such a weird outfit. Like I just look at their team, and it just doesn't doesn't feel very good. I suppose we'll get to that later anyway. But um, yeah. They then sorry, I was going to say the middle game of Saturday. Broncos twelve, Titans thirty, and the Broncos sink as low as they can. That is a um, historically bad game uh, between the two yeah. franchises for the the um the Broncos. Well, t- Titans racks up three wins in their last three games at SunCorp against the Broncos, so um, not bad they're for them. Those. And all of a Broncos sudden, just put a put a knife through them. They've done. Yeah, put a fork in them. Uh, from the top to the bottom, that that organization's so rotten. So and it's good. I love it. I love it. <laughs> We're about to get the eyes picked out of him by the Titans off the field, it looks like. I know that Tessie News agreed to a one-year deal for the Broncos, apparently, to stay around, but there's a lot of talk about David Fafita having an offer that is just too good to be true, like too too good to refuse. So, but just on, just on the game, uh, you know, super coach, super coach Seabold there, um, he replaces his fullback at the 60th minute, then uses an interchange, which leaves him with no interchanges, and then... Lodge comes off in the last 10 minutes and then um, leaving them with 12 on the field and then they get to play a sin build and they only had 11. <laughs> like, you know, that's just, you replacing, don't see that in Replacing a fullback at 60 minutes is the most Tim Sheens move I've ever seen. Like like old Tim Sheens when he you know, started getting a little bit senile. That is, um yeah, I don't know. They're just such a mess. And, you know, Payne Haas must be ruined the fact that he signed on for the deal that he did. Not only has he been underpaid relative to how good he is, but he's locked in there long term, and it looks like the ship is sinking badly. I just, I, I, I you know, this was one of the games that was on in the background for me. Um, would this be right? I'm just looking at the stats here on NRL.com. Jamal Fogarty, 16 runs for 77 meters. Surely, that's awful, even for a halfback. I vaguely had this game on, like you said, in the background, Ham, and like I heard Fogarty's name caught a few times. And I know that um, in the post-match presser, uh, Holbrook was prime praising him, but those numbers, like you said, that's... That's four metres a run. That's Victor Radley numbers. <laughs> Ash, Ash Taylor has been the standout over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean... Rojo good. back, so good for him. It's good to see Ash Taylor get back into you know a healthy mind state when it comes to league. I always thought he was overrated insofar as his insane contract he got, but you know he obviously has rugby league talent and you know he's playing some decent footy now. Corey Thompson was okay for him as well. The Don, the Don got that great intercept try at halftime to make Seeds storm out of the dress, the dressing room, the coach's box. He's just one of those players that you look at him, you go, We've, they've got better players, surely. But every time he just turns up yep. and he plays well. Yep. He scores some freaky tries. Uh, and um, um, 
Big Mo Fodawaka continues to have a good season. Easily their best forward. Yeah, he's, best he's a beast. Best player. Yeah, yeah you're right, no, Ham. No, no best, best, best forward's unfair. It's best player. Yeah. All right, then on to and some more freaky tries. Uh, on Sunday, Seagulls 22, Sharks 40. Uh, Seagulls coming down after that win over the Raiders the week before. Um, Sharks, you know, I, I think I put it up on Twitter that they all need to have a pee test after this one. <laughs> yep, yep. Incredible. Uh, but also the the put down from, um, uh, what's his name? Sione? The, the Sione Katoa. Sione Katoa. Yeah, Sione Katoa. Gosh. One time, one he, time. He bagged a, a hat. No, did he get a hat trick? No, he only got last a double. Week, last week got the hat trick, this week got the double, yeah. But that first one he put down was just incredible. Yeah, one, one time Parramatta Eels SG ball prospect Sione Katoa. I was hoping you didn't. I was going to see who's going to bring that up. Well, I, I was going to say, insofar as that, we have been an absolute factory for elite wingers, haven't we? You know, going back so far as Daniel Tupo at the Roosters now, but you know, Semi, uh, we got Fergo over here now. Um, you know, a lot of people thought Jared was a winger, so <laughs> um, and now obviously Makasevo's there. So um, who's who's the next Parramatta superstar winger to come through the ranks? Is it Hayes Dunster? Come on, boy. But yeah, this this game was a. I mean, Manly were always at risk of coming down. After that huge mental, um, you know, focus like surge they had against um, the Raiders last week, but geez, they they didn't just come down; they crashed and burned. That was a really bad game defensively, and I can understand why they'd be, you know, struggling with points. And that wasn't the issue. In the end of the day, they scored a few points with Big Adam Fanua Blake getting a double, but yeah, they just were not focused in this game, and the Sharks ran right for all. Some what of the insane to me is that Sione Katoa scored his, you know, fantastic two tries, but they had Tavita Funa playing on the other side of the field. And I, I know they've got Chad Townsend on that side, but since you send a player down his way. The, there's been his way and so much tape. On, yeah, so much tape this year on Funa struggling under those circumstances. Absolutely him. Like, you know, just whoever the centre is on that side, Dugan, I'm going to say. I don't get know. Get him one-on-one. Yeah. He would have beaten Funa every single time. He's just an awful defender. But, yeah, the – I was going to say, Sharks scored a lot of soft tries. Um, Sean Johnson got a lot of space to operate in, so he looked pretty good. He was um, sharp off the boot too, six from seven in pretty testing conditions. Yeah, and Sharks all of a sudden, like you said, Hamish, maybe they need to get their P tested because that's the Sharks that everyone sort of expected, you know, to be a decent side, not the the also-runs we've seen for the vast majority of the season. Well, you know, that, does that sort of put them up in the that eighth spot? Well, they're, they're one of the teams we talked about as competing for that eighth spot, didn't we? So, they, you know, if they're more consistent the moment, like you're that team. looking at Tigers, mm-hmm. Seagulls without Trevojevic, yep. Rabbitohs, Cowboys, Sharks. That sounds about right. Let's jump on to the last game. And in a year that is upside down, the West Tigers winning 34-6 put themselves into sixth position. So uh, upside down. David Nofalumerick again putting his credentials up for the top three top winger. Top three winger, baby. Uh, in the competition <laughs> and, and putting his oh, early hand up early for... Uh, the origin selection. I'll call David Nofalumer a top three win in a row when David Nikoluski gets a wenty roll with gravy. <laughs> um, but uh, we are saying sharpshooter for Sean Johnson. Moses Embai was anything but three from seven off the boot and the Bulldogs having uh, Hopawati go down pretty early in that affair. Yeah, I uh, think Moses. For Will. I think, you know, he's not going to win your game, but buddy hell, he puts you in the chance. He's been, he's, if you end up watching Dogs games, in general, he's been pretty good for him. They've been a yeah. very, very substandard outfit, but he's been pretty solid for him in a lot of games. Shows yeah, that if really. You put him in a, if you put him in a better team, that's right. he doesn't do as much. Yeah, he's got a really but, nice set of hands to tap ball, like tap that pass on and, and play either side. And he's an smart, absolute he's workhorse. A smart player. Yeah. He's a bit like Gutho in that. Yeah, that's that's not a terrible comparison. Quick. Yeah. Isn't it? Not as quick or anything, but just. I don't think he's probably a definitely not as good under the high ball. No, <laughs> yeah, no, he, sure. he's got some demons in him for the high ball. That's for sure. Yeah, but yeah, just smart footy player knows where to be, knows what to do um, in game instances. Yeah, and I suppose the talking point for the Tigers in this game would be Harry Grant, who has catapulted into. We know it's not worth much, but catapulted to the Dalian sort of favoritism at the moment because he's just scoring points everywhere. Um, he had a very good game, scored a try, and like directed him nicely around the around the park. I mean, it's good. I mean, it is good to see a young player deliver on the hype, isn't it? I don't know if he's, you know, if it's a case of, we'll talk about this today, if, if a seven or eight out of ten player has been surrounded by more mediocre players, it makes him stand out even more. But he's obviously a talented player and he's um, helping spark him around the middle at the very least. It's a, it's a, it's a conundrum as an Eels supporter, isn't it? Do you want him to stay at the Tigers <laughs> to keep, yeah. so Melbourne don't get him? Yeah. Or do you want him to go back to Melbourne so the Tigers don't have him? It's real... <laughs> Tears me inside. I, I lose sleep over it. Oh, I was I was listening to um I can't remember what podcast podcast it was, but essentially, if 
Cameron Smith extends and takes that hooker role and that and, and Melbourne don't take up the option to have Harry Grant back, he goes on to the open market as opposed wow, to that'd be crazy. staying at West. Well, so, who, yeah, who, that. All of a sudden, that, that, who, how's that change? I mean, who go, comes in the play? Brisbane? I mean, if they can find the money. Um, the Titans? Titans. Yeah. Because yeah. um, he he's, he's a Queenslander, isn't he, Harry? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, that, you know, that's a huge play. to contention then as well. Yeah, that do- yeah, the dogs are absolutely looking for a hooker, aren't they? So, you know what it'll be? It'll be such a rooster's thing if they push Jake Friend out. In- that's well, what- they've got Verrills really there. Yes, but um, Verrills off an ACL. That hasn't stopped them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> True. <laughs> but yeah, the Tigers, um, the Tigers turn the um, table upside down, don't they? Six into nine. Or nine yes, into my seven. favorite number. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's move on from last week's footy into next week's footy, which uh, for one... Oh, um, sorry. One thing. Sorry. Um, yep. I went on to the New South Wales WRL site the other day, and there was an article talking about how there is prospectively... Uh, Staff starting to be put into place for the return of um, the lower grade footballs in some capacity. So oh, we a president's cup today, which is uh, Ron Massey. Yeah, so they're obviously building up from the the low lower grades, and then probably finding some functional some form of reserve grade, even if it's not a competition, but just to get the you know the fringe players fit. Thanks for that update there, Forty. That'll be yeah. good if we can get some um, lower grade footy back. But we'll uh, wait and see. Yeah, boy. Uh, all right. Well, um, on. Uh, not being the headline uh, game of the round this week, uh, I think there's a couple of others that can be contenders. Storm and Roosters, obviously, on Thursday night. Um, you've also got Manly and Knights on, uh, you know, they love their uh, Sunday afternoon football at four o'clock. Um, and then the Battle of the Cats on Saturday night. Super oh, Saturday. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> um, but for us, we'll be taking on the Cowboys. Eels are sitting very firm favourites at $1.35 to the Cowboys, $3.20 at 7.55pm on Friday. The what are we, We're into July now, so we've been the – when have we been premiers since? Since when did the season start? March. March through to June premiers. Yeah, it's been the longest seven-week reign <laughs> at the top of the ladder. Um, at Bankwest Stadium. Uh, so we'll have limited to 7,500 uh, attendees. The club sent out last week uh, expressions of interest to uh, prospective members if they wanted to go. Um, and hands up myself, uh, the dickhead that forgot to put in his expression of interest, so I definitely won't be going on Friday. Um, but I know 40 and Ham definitely put I, it. So I, I actually opted out. I'm just a little bit worried about family members picking up coronavirus just out of the blue still. So I've, I've got circumstances in my family where if they were to get it, they're pretty much going to cark it. So I'm uh, not taking the risk. Yeah, same here. Like, if you know my dad, he's like, help. she's like wiping everything down, hand sanitizing. It's like a hospital at our house. <laughs> that clean. Uh, well, I know for myself, I'm going on a big uh, pub crawl on, on Saturday. Oh, uh, shit. With a couple of mates. So I just need to get out of the house. So uh, probably a good idea not to be out on Friday night. <laughs> um, and, and Bertie, uh, don't let me forget. I got to ask your dad about a couple of tips for Saturday uh, for the ponies. Oh, yeah, uh, he, uh, let's just say I haven't had a bed for about like eight weeks. Are we going to get? Uh, are we going to get the AAE punting club on the on the um, podcast now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> we might have to. I, I did get up last week on a um, what was that one that ran at race seven at Rose Hill. He was uh, oh, I can't remember. It starts with a B, um, but backed him in. He was paying what, seven seven fifty or something. Yeah, but it, it was a bit darker actually. It was, uh, it was like black or something. Uh, whoa, but, whoa, whoa. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, well, let's get back to the footy. Uh, so for the Cowboys, uh, I'm just going to say the hammer because I don't want to <laughs> murder his, uh, his last name. Taboy Fido, I think that I is. I think that sounds about right. Yeah, Miso Taboy Fido. Missile. Uh, then the wing, I, I note that all commentators have just called him the hammer. Or at yeah, least the that's right. They've deliberately avoided um, pronouncing the name. That's right. Uh, on the wings, Kyle Felt, Justin O'Neill, and then in the centres, Tom Opacek and Isan Masters. In the halves, Scott Drinkwater, Jake Clifford, and the forwards are Josh McGuire, Jordan McLean, Reese Robson at hooker. In the second row, Shane Wright, Cohen Hess, and at lock and captain, Jason Tamalolo. And then the interchange, ban- interchange bench rather is Ben Hampton, Gavin Cooper, Peter Holler, Francis Molo. Then the extended bench is Ruben Cotter, Valentine Holmes, Corey Jensen, Jake Granville. And so the word out is Val Holmes will be racing to be fit, um, but early indications are that it's unlikely he'll be playing. 
then for the Eels at captain and fullback is Clint Gutherson. On the wings, wings rather, Maker Sebo and Blake Ferguson. Centres, Michael Jennings, Wonga Blake. In the halves, Dylan Brown and Jai Field comes in. They don't Ooh. even have a photo of him on the no. team. <laughs> yeah, he's got the con. silhouette there, baby. Uh, and it's it's is it Jay or is it Jai? Jay. Jay. Okay. Uh, why don't you put a Y in it, mate? Um, then in the forwards, <laughs> Regan Campbell, Gillard, Junior Paulo, Reed Marnie at hooker. Second row is Sean Lame, Ryan Madison, and Murata Neokore returns at lock while. Nathan Brown is on his last game of suspension. Interchange bench, Raymond Stone, David Gower comes into the team. And he's getting pretty close to yeah. his hundredth uh, game, isn't he? Hundredth game for the Eels. That's right. He's passed the hundred NRL games a while back, but yeah, about he's the on ninety-eight for Parramatta. This would be not game ninety-nine, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah. And then the Gun Kafusi, Brad Takarangi. And then the extended bench, Stefano Otuikamano. Yeah, That's sneak. the first time we've seen him in the extended bench and for sneaks, a while. And sneaks onto 18th man as well, so getting close to a debut maybe. Who's this then, Stefano guy? We should re-sign him. <laughs> <laughs> then Dan Alvaro, George Jennings and Will Smith uh, on the extended bench. So uh, for this game, Clint Gutherson will bring up his 100th NRL game. So uh, we hope for a big uh, put in from the boys. So hopefully they can uh, get him a win. And we seem to have been doing a lot better in these sort of milestone, milestone games, games than yeah. we have previously. It used to be a huge uh, issue for us, yes. <laughs> so for the Eels and the Cowboys since 1998 in the NRL era, 39 played, Eels 18, Cowboys 20 and one draw. Uh, most recently, the Cowboys have had the wood over a yeah. 17 to 10 last year. A lot of nice in the games. And then 44 to 6 the year before. A lot of nice in the games. And, of course, in 2017 in that finals match. So uh, they seem to just have that little bit of edge over us, even though, um, what? yeah, especially since 2005. But we're we talking about a game that, that didn't happen, 2017 finals game against the Cowboys. We, did, we have spent a lot of time when we play them. It's always the away game. Yes, yeah, so we've, 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 given, so. we've given Darwin games, Darwin games away to the Cowboys recently. So I think in like the last three or four seasons, there's only been two Sydney games. So it's not, not exactly a friendly um like set up to succeed against a team that's optimised to play in the tropics. All right. So areas for attack, I think there's a couple that stand out. One, Isan Masters' defensively yeah. uh, is not great. Uh, also, Cohen Hess defensively, uh, that's another person you can target. Uh, looking at our respective benches, um, whilst they've got some heavier blokes on there in Peter Holler and Francis Molo, uh, ben Hampton's backline cover and I guess Gavin Cooper's second row cover. And he's, you know, prior to last week, he's been on his last legs. Uh, so I think our bench um, is, is is one place we can win, but I think also our starting props and starting forwards uh, uh, can have the wood over the Cowboys. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that they're back after that one performance. No, it's more like they've, they've rediscovered the ability to score points because even their loss against the Tigers two weeks ago, they got hammered and then managed to drop a few points in the second half. So you've got to respect their ability to score more so than their ability to defend, I suppose. Where else do you think we can attack there, boys? Um, well, I think both their halves are probably able to be exploited in defense um, in conjunction with those other players you're talking about. I think you can sort of manipulate those edges to create the mismatch somewhere between those combinations. Um, I don't think their forward pack's particularly amazing at the moment. Um, Josh McGuire is a is a good player, although he's very grubby, so you've got to watch out for that. And Jordan McQueen's just vastly under-delivered, hasn't he, for him? Touted yeah. as a state-of-origin Australian-caliber player and just – he had he didn't have – was it Liz Frank he had the injury, the same one that Horsburgh had, or did he have the Jones fracture? I, can't, I think it was Jones. Yeah. So he had that injury early, early in his um, career for them when he moved from Melbourne. Just I don't know if it's impacted him or not, but he just has not kicked on the way I thought he would. So, yeah, they're such an odd team. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know about this game. It's a game I feel like we should win and should win comfortably, but we're coming off a month of really growing football – and there is a chance that we have like a down tick here in intensity. Although Brad Brad Arthur has been very intent on driving home that you know stay focused, stay committed to every game um, for the boys. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see whether Dillbags can step up. Yeah, um, and I know the effort's going to be there, but whether the execution will be given, he'll good. be more, most likely playing the that's controlling right. halves role, handles on on possessions and distributing the ball. So and because he's a very uh, this is controversial according to some other people not in the podcast uh, a very run heavy half. It'd be interesting to see how he shapes his game, right? Like if you're talking about distributing the ball more, or he's going to keep running first and then let Gufferson and Reed Marnie take over extra uh, playmaking options out wide. Um, and then the other thing I suppose we talk about is we opted, this is a significant departure in selection protocol for Brad Arthur. Um, in the past, you know, we've, we've got five years of, of evidence here and, you know, for better or worse, it's been usually for the better. You know, he's been, had 
for the most part, coach pretty solid teams in adverse conditions. He has opted for the experienced head over the the more high risk, higher upside uh, youngster when when faced with the decision between two. And in this week, I thought for all money it was going to be Brad Takarangi because he's done it before in the hearts of the Eels. And, you know, he, he just gives you a, a sound, if not, you know, I know Brad's got a, a, a brain fight in him, Brad Takarangi or Brad Alpha has a brain fight in him every now and then, but he's relatively sound when it comes to playing in the halves because he has a very simple game plan that he adheres to generally. But instead, Arthur's gone for Jai Field, which is, you know, the the bold shot. This is the the undersized, relatively speaking, half, the guy that hasn't played football. He's coming in underdone. He's coming in without any sort of match, uh, you know, timing, fitness, experience in 2020, barring one game in the Canterbury Cup and obviously the preseason where he really shined. He's coming in here to replace Mitchell Moses, our most important playmaker. So very interesting to see what we do. Um, we can run similar attacking concepts down the right side because we brought in Jai Field, because he has that same sort of pace, if not more pace than Mitchell Moses. So, um, and Ham and I were talking about this before, um, that there is sort of a, a case to maybe use sort of the way the Roosters deploy Luke Keery in that sort of hybrid double fullback or second fullback role where you get him out wide sweeping and use that just sheer speed to beat the opposition. Yeah, I think I agree with that, especially yeah. more running. You know, and it's even, you know, you can even um, throw different shapes there where Maddo plays as the halfback. Yep, agreed. Got, um, field, you know, possibly even remember that little... Um, little set play that we used to have with uh, Kenny Edwards and Manu. Yes, now. good call. Very yeah. good call, um, yeah. That, you know, fullback, uh, halfback sweeping around on the outside. Back row playing first receiver. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that we used to do that with Manu Ma'u and um and Corey Norman and Quentin Duffson both had a lot of success with that. Against the Cowboys too, funnily enough, that this, yes. has been a, that this has been a set piece that has really torn the Cowboys up significantly in our matchups against them, whether we've won or lost. So that's a funny thing that we were talking about that. Um, yeah, I, um, I think this game, you know, Real simple game plan here, especially with Moses out. Yeah, don't overcomplicate things for sure. Keep it simple. Yeah. You know, Reg and uh, Paulo, all you got to do, aim all your runs at Jason Taumalolo. Get him defending <laughs> absolutely as much as possible. If you can get him making 30, 40 tackles in a game, that cuts 150 to 100 metres off his running. And it's not just the metres, it cuts the impact from the runs too. Yeah, so absolutely. So, that's a big part of you know, um, getting on top of them in the middle. Get those... Um, to kick into the corners, um, try and keep the ball in play, get get their starting pack running around there, um, complete 85 90%, you know, and that will come to the detriment of our attack and putting on points, but you don't need to score 40 points to win a game. You, you just need exactly. to score more than the opposition. So, And we've, we've built our game on defense in 2020, and we know that the points will come for us regardless of Moses being there or not. Because I think, you know, outside of Tal Malolo, I'm not trying to discredit and overlook opposition here, but after him, he's their best player by the the length of the um the straight at the, yeah. Mel- at, at the Melbourne Cup, isn't he? Like if, just- if you li- if you limit his impact, that's that's the Cowboys pretty much shut down. You know, there's not many. They love to play off that. Um, he'll take you know you get him running hit up. He'll get a quick play of the ball, and then they'll hit another forward. They'll get a quick play of the ball. Then they play off that. Whereas if you can, yeah, just limit his impact in with the ball. Yeah, so just real simple game plan. I don't think deviate too much from the middle third, especially with a Bankwest track that, you know, with newly laid grass will be a bit slippy. Um, it'll be a cold, you know, dewy night, so don't probably don't venture past the 10-metre scrum lines there. And, and on that, uh, limiting Jason Taumalolo means keeping him under 250 metres, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking, I'm not so looking for like what, under what, what, what would be an insane game for much any other forward in the game? Yeah, just keep him to that and you've really put the clamps on him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he, he is. For much. He is absolutely. Averaging 250 this year. Absolutely superhuman. Uh, him, I, I wouldn't doubt it if, if you told me that's the stat. Him, him and Payne Haas are just such special athletes. Like you, I hope fans really appreciate how good these two players are as non-eels. The thing is they don't. Because I've seen comments about how Victor Radley's the best lock in the game. Yeah, now. that's just disrespectful, isn't uh, it? Jake Trebojevic is, and it's like you—you you can't be serious with that. Jason Taumalolo is putting up elite. If any other play, if it, if Jason Taumalolo played for New South Wales and Queensland and Australia, no, no one. That, that's actually an interesting point into, into how much that shapes the conversation because obviously it, it's sort of taken for granted that he is the best forward in the game, isn't it? Um, and if anyone else, you know, as a Parramatta fan, if Nathan Brown was putting up those numbers consistently, because Brown is capable of of the 250, uh, 200, ta- um, 200 tackles, 200 metres, 50 tackle games we spoke about. But if he was week to week doing what Tamalo was doing, we'd be banging down the table, calling him for the pick for State of Origin and, and Dalian. And yet here he is. He's up the top of the Dalian leaderboard for a reason 
But it's just like, oh, yeah, it's just Tom Waller doing his thing. It's like, yeah, but his thing is so amazing. Yeah. Uh, just just on that, 252.5 oh average God. meters. Seriously. And he was playing – he played injured coming back from a couple of weeks ago and he had a, a subpar game by his standards. So, yeah. holy dooly, what a, what a player. Yeah, uh, 137 is his that's, lowest. That, that was that game, yeah, against the Tigers, <laughs> I believe it was. So. Uh, Warriors. Oh, Warriors, there you go. 259. There you go. Yeah, that's right. I tipped the bit. Yeah, I I got it wrong. Yes, you're right. Yes, but anyway, like if we can keep him under 250 somehow. Done a damn good job. And we we, we do have a little bit of form there. I think um, Tepa Morol put the clamps on him a few years back. We had a very good game plan to swarm him as he was carrying the ball. So it'll take a lot of effort defensively to keep on top. Thankfully, I suppose the one criticism you can say about Tamalolo is that there isn't much second phase to his game. So he, he is a huge running threat, but doesn't always look to promote the ball, which means you can mitigate some of the damage if you just have like a bend but don't break principle. But I think we'll be more aggressive than that. The other thing I was going to mention is um, I, I think that we'll I'll have Quentin Gufferson and uh, Reed Money handle a lot more kicking because Dill's obviously a very competent kicker, but I just think without Moses being on either, having a half on either side of the ruck, it allows the Cowboys to cheat a little bit on your main playmaker. So I expect to see um, uh, Reed jump out of dummy half a few more times as well as Guffer chiming in, probably sweeping along one side and just jabbing the ball into the backfield. Bertie, did you have anything to add? Yeah, I just think um, if Valentine Holmes obviously is uh, playing, that will move the hammer. To, uh, he'll replace Justin O'Neill, I believe. So, and that side has Isan Masters, Cohen has. So that's obviously the weaker side. So I'd be targeting that side, especially, um, I don't know who our winger is, but <laughs> I think there'll be about 20 to 50 kilos on, on the hammer. And we know Isan Masters, like seriously, first I know firsthand how bad he is. He's giving me minus <laughs> the, the minus five over eighty yeah. every week. Oh, yeah, against the Tigers, if it was. Oh my we, god! We 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 say Wonga Blake is bad defense. What's this guy doing? No, Isan is historically a very poor defender. That's right. A lot of arm grabbing, yeah. a lot of bad positioning. There was was it the the there was a Tigers game where the, the, he watched the ball. Didn't sorry, he didn't look at the ball at all. It was a crossfield chip kick, and it bounced right in front of him. Yeah, it was yeah. like a fluke try. Oh my like, god. And like even like Cohen S, like you know he likes to rush out of the line, you know put a hit on. Obviously, um, if we continue our like um, just grinding them, pound, like you know pound the rock as Joe, Joe Gruden says, and I tweeted that out. <laughs> like, um, if we just continue to do that, where it's a Gruden like, grinder, be, baby. Yeah, um, he'll just like arm grabs, and I honestly think that is the way to go. Um, you know we can't. You already spoke about Tom Alolo. Like if he gets under two hundred, serious. But um, <laughs> what a freak! That, what a freak! Maybe they're maybe they're harsh because they're. They're pretty small when you look at them. Like I know we've got small. Yeah, halves, I, I did. I did say we could probably isolate the halves a little bit. Yeah, and when you look at like out of between Matto and Lane, Matto's probably like smallest when you say the height wise. But you just look at him; he's like a brick. He's ass. We're a big team. That's how it is. And I just think maybe, um, maybe surprise him a bit, kick a bit early, get Fergo to start chasing. But yeah, I think um, you guys touched on it. Just you know, go down that left side. Where um, what I said. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a bit, I'm a bit lost at the moment. Oh, one, no, one I think thing. that's right. Did you? Uh, yeah, 40. Finish. I was going to say, uh, just, you know, there's a lot of media hype now because we've got a, a very inexperienced playmaking pair in Field and Brown. But um, there's an article today that's come out with Dylan sort of endorsing Field selection and, you know, pr- I'm putting the, um, not not the hype, but, you know, a bit of praise in the way of um, the St. George prospect that came to us this year. So very, it's going to be very exciting. Like I said, this, and I think what I, what I hope when I say this is that maybe this signals a change in selection protocol and selection strategy long-term. This might suggest that moving forwards, Brad Arthur and the, the coaching staff more comfortable taking risks when it comes to replacing someone. So if Blake Ferguson gets hurt, it's not George Jennings that comes up, it's Hayes Dunster. Or likewise in the forwards, instead of Daniel Alvaro coming in, it's going to be Stefano or, you know, maybe next year it's going to be one of our two Bash brothers in Hughes or Hollis. So yeah, very, very hyped up about that. That's just a little, little storyline of this game that um, might be significant down the road. All right, well, first try, scorer and eventual score, Birdie, starts off. Um, I think uh, first try scorer is going to be Blake Ferguson. I think kick to him and you outleap whoever he's marking um, and we'll win uh, 36 to 18. I think, I just honestly think you look at our team on paper, you know, we've got our aspirations are prem- premiership, right? Cowboys' aspirations are pre-sort. That's it. Like, they don't have, they're, they're obviously a massive clear, Gap in um, classes are massive, so I think we should win. And we stick to our guns. It'll be like the Pines match. They'll put up a fight for the first two, but just run clear and put up on our four against. But uh, yeah, I'm just, I think that's it, actually. All right, and Ham. Um, I'm going to go forward. I think it'll be either Reg or Murata. Can I, can I do that? Is that all right? <laughs> I your bets. Do whatever you want, mate. Oh. Um, it'll be one of those two, I reckon. We'll get 
it'll be the the stony play. You know, it's it's the mirror test here, Ham. You know, <laughs> the mirror test. Yeah, can you look at yourself in the mirror after doing that? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I was just going to make a joke there, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> something about a mirror and being used and <laughs> in an unconventional way. Um, You're giving yourself a haircut, mate. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, you know what, Murata. Murata will be first try scorer. 18 to 4 to Parramatta. 40. All right. I think I'm part of the curse, boys. I'm, I'm going to stop backing. I, I didn't back him last week. I'm going to stop backing Blake Ferguson. I'm, I'm why he's lost his mojo when it comes to scoring tries. So, um, <laughs> Fergo, if you get over, I'm going to be so happy for you, man. I'm going to, you know, get up and shout and cheer. But I'm going to back Jay Field, the new guy. Parramatta is going to set up a certain, like, just they're going to have a play for him. And it's going to be like an outside inside or some sort of clever block, like sweet play that's going to get him isolated. And you're just going to put on the um, the jet thrusters. The the scram jet, if you're watching the news today, the Australian military's got the scram jets coming in. Um, so he's going to turn on the, the turbo thrusters in and get over. And full time score, we've got, we got to have a comfortable win here. So uh, Cowboy's going to get 14 points, Parramatta 30, 30 to 14. Now, on to me, I've got. Uh our captain stepping up in the absence of other playmakers to get the first try scorer and Eels eventually 26 to the Cowboys four. Uh, better defensive showing after versing some of the top teams in the last couple of weeks. Okay. I, I, I think we should uh, step up because, um, again, our defense was pretty good when we were playing those bottom nine teams. Um, you know, only what were we averaging? We were averaging under a try a game. It was like uh, eight, eight and a half points, out. something like that, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, no, all right, well, I yeah, think okay. that'll uh, wrap us up there for the Para Podcast for round, uh, well, the, the upcoming round eight. Um, so if you're a member and you've uh, got your expression of interest in, enjoy the football live. Uh, it'll be a nice change. Hopefully um, I do. And for the rest of us, we'll be uh, watching on at home on Channel 9 or, yeah, yeah. or oh, Fox. Fox Sports slash KO. Pick your poison. Hope. I'm, I'm putting the feelers out there. I hope Andrew, uh, Andrew Voss isn't the commentator for you. He will be. It's prime, prime, <laughs> prime time Friday. There's no way Vossi doesn't get the the gig. If, it, if he is, um, can you just throw me pie in? Please, just, for me? just please, please, <laughs> no, please, no, please, no, brave, Vo- like the combination of brave Vossi, oh. Kevy, and Blocker. That is like How just awful, oh, that Mate, was, I love having Blocker on. Oh. Blocker, I can put up with <laughs> if it's like if he's got competent calls around him because he's just a goofball, and I can yeah. I can take his bad. I can I can you know, just laugh at his bad takes. Brave is I've never seen a commentator so consistently wrong. Um, just negative IQ. Oh. Negative oh. footy IQ, and yeah, yeah, he gets the odd one right and the old, the old broken um, clock callback. But just if he says something, just your odds are you you back the other way and you're going to get it right. He's, he's, not been the same. A, he's not even a broken clock. A broken clock is right twice yeah. a day. <laughs> I don't think Braith has ever been right twice. A yeah, day he's a broken twenty four hour clock. <laughs> yeah, it can't be. Wrong. Yeah, if if you're on um Twitter, uh, what is the shit Braith says or whatever it is? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fantastic <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. And then people tweet at it all the time, so I think you should follow on the, um, on the search. The, the great one from last week was uh, for Nathan Cleary, and after missing what, I think it was like three conversions in a row, and then he put up a good kick, which was that the one where, uh, what's his, no, sorry, it was the week before against the Storm. After missing a couple of uh, conversions, he put up that kick for uh, Kikau, who caught it and then put it under, it. and Brad goes, he just doesn't miss with his kicks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. oh. uh, all right, well, I think that'll wrap us up there. Um, enjoy. Uh, your rugby league this weekend and uh, hopefully we can celebrate another Eels win and um, we'll catch you on the next pair of podcasts. Cheers. Have a good one. Thank you.